This is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show, live from the Tap House Grill in Montgomery. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, here's your host, Nick Brunker. All right, welcome in. We are back live after a perfect weekend for the Cyclones. They go down and uh, pick up three consecutive wins over this past stretch. And alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, I'm Nick Brunker. Glad you were all with us as well as we recap the successful weekend and certainly a very well-deserved round of applause for the man sitting to my right who earned his 100th win as a member of the Cyclones on Friday, Mr. Jared Scully. Congratulations. I know that uh, those types of numbers you don't really pay much attention to, but I, I got to think that uh, getting that milestone moment was big, especially considering you did it against the North Division team that you wanted to bury, and you did it. A big weekend for you. Yeah, I mean, we looked at this weekend as a huge opportunity with uh, with uh, you know two division games and, of course, Wheeling coming in. And, uh, you know, we look at two and a half, three weeks ago, and Fort Wayne was within four points of us and now we we've created that distance I believe 14 to 16 points difference with uh, the run we went on so that was a huge um, huge game for us and then of course uh, the wheeling game and then uh, setting up for Sunday's uh, afternoon late afternoon game against Toledo so uh, you know the players knew it was a big weekend for us and uh, you know every game at this time of year heading in down the stretch here finishing out February heading into March it's just about uh, getting some positioning and, and and looking north and looking at what's ahead of us um, in the standings and you know close the gap on Reading and, and, and gain some uh, ground on uh, Gwinnett and Greenville. For those that are just filing in, Stephanie is here from our staff and she can scan your rewards card. You'll get 50 points just for being here so be sure that you stop by and see her either on your way to your table on your way out and uh, you'll pick up the points you need. CyclonesRewards.com in case you are not already signed up to be a member. You talked about looking north and uh, looking into this month, this past month that is, uh, you, you know that you have to play the type of hockey you have been playing in order to not only just maintain where you're at, but try to gain ground outside of the division, but also getting the kind of help that you've gotten from teams like Trenton, where you go up into the standings and you look and say, all right, I got Redding here. They're going to host Trenton for three out of the next five games. That's probably going to be a good weekend for the Royals. Quite the contrary. It turns out the Trenton Titans get hot, and all of a sudden, here you are, Coming into this day and tomorrow when you play the Titans, just two points back of the top spot in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, no, it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting. And, uh, you know, when you you look three weeks ago and, you know, you're eight, nine, ten points back from them. And, and you know, our goal is obviously, uh, you know, getting in the playoffs and, and, and looking to go on a long run and, and, and winning a championship. And, uh, you know, those are, all, those are a lot of words and a lot of stuff that you talk about, but it's not uh, – uh, the focus obviously is game by game and um, you know we obviously we do check uh, scores and standings and stuff like that and and to sit here and say our goal is to get the first our goal is to win tomorrow night you mm -hmm. know and uh, just see see where things happen we caught a couple breaks this weekend with you know Trenton beating uh, Reading but you know that's the ECHL you never know uh, uh, what's going to happen and you know we did what we had to do and we got some help from Trenton and uh, we'll just continue on like that as long as we take care of what we have to do and play to the ability that we can play to I mean we've got a you know a tremendously talented group we got a great group of guys the guys that that want to win and uh, uh, just continue on I mean tomorrow's a, a big game for us a great opportunity to to get two points and whether Redding's playing or not or what happens when when they play next game tomorrow's an opportunity to get two points Jack McClellan and David Nicoletti are with us as well we'll have them come up and join us throughout the course of the show we'll also take your questions we have a live mic so be sure to come up and ask your questions or comments as we move through the hour and we have right some away. right out of right the gate away. so right out of the gate. we will uh, take those now in fact before we move any further welcome to the show. 
Oh, Mike's First off, I would like to say congratulations to the team and to you. And um, like I said the last time, these third period things are not good. Yeah. <laughs> the Mikes have been coming over for the last five away games, and they've won every game. And it's just been fantastic. The only problem we've had is getting our keywords in. We sit there for a half an hour trying to fight <laughs> back and forth with those. And yesterday when, uh, I forgot who we even played. Toledo. Toledo. And they scored that goal within 15 seconds of the third period. Yep. And I seen you and I said, I have never seen Jared that mad. And I thought, I got worried. I thought you was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> but it was good. We ended up winning. Congratulations, guys. Hey, thank, thank you so you. much. That was, uh, yeah, it was a crazy moment at the end of the game. And, uh, you know, we got the two points, and that's what's important. But, uh, no, I appreciate that. And the guys had a, a great weekend. They worked so hard. And uh, we deserved that win yesterday. And, uh um, you know, that's what happens. They're crazy, crazy moments, but we regrouped and was able to get the win. It made that win all that much sweeter when you had to, to fight for overtime. But, hey, it, it was what it was, right? Mike, you're here for our question of the night. So, Go ahead. Hey, Mike. Congratulations on your 100th win. Too. Hey, thank you. Appreciate hey, it. Good job to these guys over here. Yeah. Um, i seen that you were a little bit upset yesterday with that call, which I – I would be too on that goal. Did he did he kick it in really, or um, what was the? No, I, I felt he did. I felt he clearly kicked it in, and 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 part of the frustration was first of all the penalty on David Pecan. I thought was, uh, you know, the third period's going on, and there's really not much going on from from that standpoint for a neutral zone tripping call with a minute and whatever left to go. I thought was uh, was a tough call to make. Uh, you know, no possession was gained. There was nothing really happened on it. Uh, for him to make that call, that was frustrating. Another moment was, uh, you know, uh, you know, Mac was out there for a face-off. He actually wins it. Yeah, uh, they blow it down, and he gets kicked out. I mean, the the reason Max on the ice is to, you know, to win that face-off. Uh, you know, because I, you know, he's 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 tremendous at face-offs. The guy you want out at the end of the game, and for the linesman to kick him out, and then you know, Matthias Lindstrom who. You know, he's done a good job on face-offs. He was out there for a purpose of because he blocked shots. He's so responsible defensively. Now we don't have a guy that, that we feel very confident winning face-offs to, to a guy that, you know, does a good job but is not a centerman. I thought was a tough moment too, which I was frustrated with, that mm -hmm. they kicked out Mac in that face-off. I mean, that is a tremendously big face-off. I mean, that is uh, the biggest face-off of the game at that point. Uh, you got the people you want out there. And for them to kick him out, I, th I was frustrated at that to start with. So first of all, the penalty on Pecan, which, okay, it happens. But then to kick out a centerman in that, that, that situation, that, that's what I was mainly frustrated with was that, uh, you know, I, I, wanted, uh, I wanted Jack on the ice. I wanted him to take that face off and for them to kick him out. It happens. You jump the gun and stuff like that. But to kick him out, I was very frustrated with that and then end up with a goal that I felt was clearly kicked in. So it was uh, a combination of different things from the, the referee to the linesman. And, um, you know, it happens. And, uh, you know, I was really proud of our guys, though, that, uh, you know, we regrouped. It's, uh, it happens. We're tied 1-1. But now let's go win this thing. Let's get the two points. And, uh, you know, to see Charlie put that in was a great, uh, great moment. You guys have won eight of your last nine. Is there anything you can point to that has been the biggest reason that things are, are going as well as they are? Or is it a collective effort? 
Uh, it's definitely collective. I mean, first of all, let's start with the goaltending. I think Brian Foster, what he did over uh, a five-game stretch, uh, going five and all, and he was absolutely tremendous. And, and you know, there's games in there that maybe his workload wasn't that big, but Fozzie made some saves in games. Uh, there's a game I know last week against Trenton when it was one nothing that at the end of the first period he made an unbelievable save to keep it at one nothing, and that's a that's a big moment in the game when you can leave the first period up one nothing as opposed to 1-1 and Fozzie made a huge save so he was absolutely tremendous and then the challenge was with him going up and um, you know Michael Hauser hasn't played in two weeks uh, his last start he got pulled in Fort Wayne um, so there's a question mark of whether how, how Hauser is going to do you know and and how steps in and just did a tremendous job and uh, he was sensational this weekend he did a great job and from our defense uh, our penalty kill what the guys did and then then from the up front the guys uh, competing and, and doing a lot of things and you know blocking shots and stuff I mean um, you know you, you you look at guys like Matthias Lidstrom you expect to do it you know he, uh, Maddie's been here most of the year and you know that's what we got to know from him and a lot of guys but you know for a guy like Jack to come in and and, and you know, block shots. He dropped, blocked a huge shot, I believe, his first game when he got here. And you know, uh, Dave, that that's sitting here with crutches because he blocked a shot last night, says a lot about the group we have and the people we have here and the, how committed they are to to winning hockey games. So you say collective, absolutely. It was a collective effort from the goaltending to our defense and and uh, all the forwards. Uh, everything that happened over the last three days and over the last couple weeks is uh, has been absolutely tremendous. You mentioned Hauser's numbers. He was nominated today for the ECHL Goaltender of the Week. We will have to wait and see if he will pick it up. I can tell you that it may be a close race. There was a guy by the name of Ryan Zapolsky, who you may know, a South Carolina Stingray, had two shutouts this weekend in both of his games. So we will see in the next couple of days if Hauser earns it. I think he should, but we'll, we'll find out together. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that goal on Sunday because I think it, it, it's very characteristic in a couple of ways. Number one, you seem to put pressure on no matter where the puck is. You get guys into the corners. You get guys there. In a four-on-four -four scenario, in over time though I find it interesting that Charles Olivier Roussel a defenseman comes in to make that pressure point I think even at five on five play your defense is never afraid of going in and jumping into that offensive play I mean that has to be as a coach really great for you because it opens up your playbook I imagine yeah it's great to have our defensemen uh, put pressure on I think we've talked about it from day one from the start of training camp and of course uh, things have evolved throughout the year with different people coming in of course Dave came in uh you know, recently, and we want our defensemen to be aggressive. I think, uh, you know, having them involved part of the offense and keeping our offense alive is a big thing, and that's what Charlie did last night, and, uh, you know, put pressure on, and he made a great play. I mean, he's more of a defensive defenseman, but he, uh, you know, applied some pressure, and uh, he got a puck back and ends up scoring that goal, so we encourage it. It's, it's two parts, too. It's not so much, uh, uh, you know, the defense putting the pressure on, but we need support from the forwards, and our forwards are committed to backing up the defensemen, and, uh, you know, we want to we want to be an offensive team. I mean, you know, defense, obviously, you've got to have guys committed to playing defense, but I think when you have the right uh, system in play of guys uh, having your defensemen aggressive and forward supporting them, I think it creates more offense. Yeah, it says a lot about the, the confidence level, too, because you, you consider that uh, you're looking at a team that, that has had so many different defenders in there, and so you've had to you know mix and match partners, and even in the middle of games, you've changed things up if you had to, and whether it's injury or, or just circumstance. But I think knowing that no matter what defenseman is out there, no matter what the position, no matter what the situation, if he's going to jump up, 
he's got to be confident that he can go, but also rely on somebody to take his spot on the backside. And I think that the fact that guys like Rousseau and Nicoletti and, and even Chris Reed over the weekend doing the same thing, Winchester getting an assist on the Lewis goal yesterday, it, it just shows that they have the confidence to not only jump in the play, but also a trust in everybody else on the team and on their bench. Well, that's what it comes down to, Nick. It's a trust that uh, the defensemen have in the forwards. And, and, and we don't designate, we have six defensemen in the game. We don't designate, you know, if a Brian O'Hanley's here, he has the green light, or a Josh McFadden, who are more offensive-minded defensemen. We don't designate they're the ones that are allowed to go. We encourage all our defensemen to be aggressive and, and get down and, and, and shrink the ice. And um, as long as you have forwards supporting, that's the key. So it, it doesn't matter whether Chris Reed, who's not an offensive defenseman, or Charlie Roussel, you know, we encourage them to be aggressive and get involved in the offense because we, we trust that our, our forwards are going to support them. I think it's interesting, the stat that we always talk about before the game, uh, it really isn't a number game, but rather a discussion of we want to set the tempo, first five minutes, those type of themes that we talk about, you and Mac, in the pregame show on the Cyclones Radio Network. And uh, I was curious, so I went back and looked. Uh, you scored the first goal of the game 60% of the time that you played games. That, that is an astounding statistic. And, and if you think about how important that first goal is, that's a huge situation. But, but also being able just to get that momentum, that tempo. Getting that goal is big, but also being able to put that pressure on is even bigger. Yeah, I mean, the first goal of the game is huge. There, there, there's four goals in the game, or four moments in the game that are huge. The first goal of the game is, is an absolute... Uh, uh, must you know now now to say do we, we tell our guys we don't score the first first goal that we're done for the night but it is definitely a goal that we want to score uh, stats prove it that you know you score the first goal having the lead after the first is a tremendous stat to have you know the having the lead going the third is a is a is a is a huge huge boost and 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 the stats prove that and the other one is the third goal of the game not so much the the second but the third goal because you got to figure at one nothing maybe we get a two nothing lead whoever scores that third goal is tremendous you know whether we get it to make it three nothing or whether they get it to make it two one now it's a different hockey game so the third goal of the game so the first goal of the game leading after the first leading after the second and the third goal of the game are the four most important things when you di dissect a hockey game of how the outcome is going to be so it is imperative and we focus on it every game is getting the first goal having the lead after the first if we can get the lead going the third but definitely trying to score that third goal of the game whether it's one one getting it to 2-1, whether we're up 2-1, maybe we're down 2 nothing, and we need that third goal, mm -hmm. you know, to make this thing a game. So the third goal of the game is such an imperative goal of the game. Well, I don't have that statistic. Scoring the first goal, the record 27-5-1-1, when leading after one, 23-0. 20 wins, three defeats. But the big thing is, as offensively minded, and you hear me on the broadcast almost nightly talk about how the offense for this team in the third period is astounding. They continue to be among the league leaders in offense, as well as goals against not allowing teams to get goals in the offensive way in the third. In the, the second period, when they go into the intermission with the lead, you're 21-0-1. Wow. Unbelievable. Yeah. And it, no. comes back to, it comes back to the idea that, that you're, you're willing to commit for 60 minutes, not just 40. No, absolutely. I think, uh, and again, that's something we, we, we address. Sometimes it takes 65 minutes. Sometimes it takes a shootout. But, um, you know, I, I'm very confident in our group, whether we're, we're tied going in the third, whether we're up going in the third, or even, you know, down going in the third. I mean, we, gotta, we have a great record when we're down going into the third. And, uh, you know, so it's... Uh, 
you know, there's been a lot of moving parts this year. There's been a lot of a lot of turnover, which uh, you guys have come accustomed to uh, in the ECHL with different people coming in. But uh, you know, I, I think you know it talks a lot about the the, the two guys that are going to be up here um, uh, tonight uh, in a little bit. Is that you know that you know they come in and uh, they contribute. They just contribute and they they, they do exactly what uh, the last guy did that was here, and we, we continue on. And I think. Uh, you know, it's great uh, character for the people that we bring in. And uh, like I've said all year long, we've got a great group of guys. We've got a great group of people that care about this team, care about you guys. And, um, you know, it goes a long way. As we move through, obviously, we'll take more of your questions and certainly point you to all the website stuff. So you have any uh, questions or comments about what's uh, going on, especially with the rewards program. Details are on the web. Also, as mentioned, if you're just coming in, Stephanie is here in the back. Uh, so you can uh, log in with her and get some points for showing up. Uh, I, I got to ask, too. You mentioned the roster and the, the constant revolving door, it seems like. Uh, at the same time, things seem to be status quo with a lot of your major key players. The only exception to that, of course, recently has been Brian Foster going up. I do understand that, that the likelihood is, although nothing is official as of yet, that he's coming back down in the next couple of uh, 24 hours or so. He's got a flight in. Perfect. Yeah. Official. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Foster will be here tomorrow. Uh, Michael Hauser will get the start. Um, he, he's earned it. He deserves it. He's uh, played so well, and you know it's a great situation to be in. You know now we've got uh, Brian Foster, who's coming off a five-game winning streak, and who's been tremendous. Now we got uh, you know Michael Hauser, who's uh, you know won three in a row and is going to start tomorrow, and we'll get into next weekend with both those guys and see where uh, what happens. Josh Burkholz, what's his status? Uh, Josh Burkholz will not play tomorrow, but we anticipate him for the weekend. He's got to skate for a couple more days. And then uh, hopefully get him back. I mean, I, I'm excited to get Josh back. Mm -hmm. I, he's, uh, he's got tremendous speed and, uh, you know, such a character guy. And uh, he's a big part of our team in, in all different areas. So uh, he's excited. He can't wait to get back. But he needs a couple more days just to get, uh, get skating. And, um, but uh, he should be cleared for the weekend. Next week, there are a couple of dates. They call them critical dates in the ECHL. Of course, the trade deadline being one of them. And then there is an assignment deadline. I know I asked you a question about this on the bus because I think it, it is a, a somewhat confusing situation for those that just read that, that word, assignment deadline, and, and not really understand fully what that means. For those that, that don't know, and maybe myself included fully, what does the assignment deadline mean for you guys uh, come next Thursday at midnight? Well, you know, first of all, the trade deadline is something that, that develops, and, you know, to sit here and say we're going to make a trade or we're going to. You know, it, it, right now it's it's way too early. Nothing really happens till really the couple days before or, or right before the deadline and stuff like that. But uh, you know, from from our standpoint, if something presents itself that is, uh, I feel is somebody that can can help us out, you know, and and can be part of the group. I think at this time of year, you know, you've gone you know five months with a, a group of guys, and 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 just to bring someone in that's going to be a key part, you got to make sure it's the right person mm -hmm. and. Uh, <laughs> You know, just to make a trade, to make a trade, we're not we're not uh, looking for that. Uh, if there's something that we feel that's going to be an upgrade, definitely we have to look at it. So uh, a lot of those things won't present themselves till um, really 48 hours before the deadline. Um, there may be some conversations before then, but it's really uh, nothing that we're really. Um, you know, uh, engaging in, you know, the teams will call, things will happen, but, uh, you know, I like I said, I've liked the group we have, I've liked what's happened all season long, I like the people we have in the room, but uh, from assignment thing, it, 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 it really, um, you know, it really goes down to just uh, 
uh, HL teams and, and what they want to do. At the end of the day, if they want to take a guy up later on in the year, they can. And I think the most, most important thing is the playoff roster, is uh, trying to figure out our playoff roster and who's going to be available to us, whether Garrett Wilson, uh, Brian O'Hanley, Josh McFadden, you know, players like that, whether they're going to be available to us um, mm-hmm. at some point and, uh, and all that. It goes down to whether the affiliates make the playoffs. I mean, Milwaukee took a couple big strides this weekend, winning a couple games. They're right there uh, trying to find that eight spot, you know, where uh, San Antonio took a step back. So right. uh, it really comes down to our affiliates and where they're at in this uh, playoff race. And as they play their, their final few weeks of, of March and then you're – season ends. Theirs will still continue as always uh, for a couple of weeks. Uh, This is an interesting year considering where everything is in the landscape of rosters from the NHL all the way down because of course it's a marathon for many teams in this league in the AHL but a sprint to the finish line in the NHL with just so few games and uh, certainly in the Eastern race at least a very very close close call uh, for the time being but I got to think that that making those decisions about who goes on your playoff roster, still quite premature to talk about, is going to be one that it's almost a waiting game. How long do you have to wait and Ultimately, when do you think those decisions from above are going to get made? Um, to be honest, it, it, that decision, you know, there'll be conversations and stuff, but it, it really won't happen until like April 1st when we have to have that. That day, April 1st, when our roster has to be in, I believe at 3 o'clock or 5 o'clock is when really a lot of conversation is going to happen because, um, like you said, Nick, the American League season still has two weeks to go after April 1st. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whether whether Jack's here or, uh, you know, a guy like jo- uh, John McFarland is going to be available to us um guys like that we we, we don't know we, we, we won't know until we get to that point and uh you know see where everybody's at and uh we'll have conversations with the affiliates we'll have conversations with the players themselves you know like uh you know jonathan hazen's uh available to us you know and and whether uh it's not asking a player whether he wants to come but you you got to make sure you only allow 23 guys you want to make sure those 23 are guys that want to be here want to compete and are ready to go on a long run with you um you know if there's guys that don't want to go on a long run that's fine that that's fine too uh you know there's guys that you know anthony Botetto and and different guys uh that are up there that are qualified to play for us but at the end of the day you know we got to put 23 guys on a roster that are ready to go on a long run and a long haul and and and, and are going to be here and and we'll find out you know as we get further down the road from our affiliates of who's who uh who they'd like to see and at the end of the day who we want want to have here who fits a need for us um you know what what you need what we need at that point and uh and who we feel is going to go on a long run with us it's a an exciting time of year and we are very pumped that we get to, to chat about it with you we'll take another time out we'll come back with jack mcclellan on the other side of this time out with head coach jared scaldi i'm nick brunker on the cyclones radio network this is the cyclones radio network you're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. We are back live for another segment on the Coors Light Jarrett Scaldi Show here at the Tap House. Real glad you were with us. Our final show of February, believe it or not. The final month of the regular year just around the corner. One quick little note before we introduce our next guest. We've announced last week that our uh, Cyclones affiliate road trip as the Predators are going to head up to take on Columbus. Obviously, season ticket holders, as we talked about, have the first dibs to that. The deadline to RSVP if you are interested in the 
reserving your spot is tomorrow at 5 o'clock. So if you have not reserved your spot and you want to go, get all the details and give us a call tomorrow at 513-421-PUCK. Uh, and again, all those details listed at CyclonesHockey.com. My next guest is joining us after having a great weekend, a great start to his Cyclones career. Points in five of his first seven. Give it up for number 61, Jack McClellan. Welcome in. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us. I kind of a recycled interview from yesterday. We talked in the uh, intermission report in Toledo, but we'll talk about some of the, the same things we discussed yesterday, maybe expound upon them a little bit more. Uh, going back to the game on Saturday night, a uh, huge goal for you, not only because you put the Cyclones up 3-1, to one, huge insurance goal against, uh, against Wheeling, but for you personally, I know that it got a big monkey off your back, a big relief for you. Yeah, it was for sure. It was uh, nice to finally put one in the back of the net down here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just to be able to help the team get two points that night was huge. As we, as we talk to people that make their way down from the American Hockey League that, that may not have been getting as much ice time as they wanted, I know we talked off the air about, about just trying to, to get into that flow. And it's got to be difficult when you're playing at that next level. You want to be up there. You want to try to contribute. But when you're not given as much opportunity as I know you would like, it, it makes things tough. Coming back here, though, plenty of ice time, plenty of key situations. That's got to be a big confidence builder for you. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I just think it's a big opportunity for me to be able to come here and get a lot of minutes and uh, try and get my confidence back. And I'm just trying to make the most of it. I've been given a lot of opportunities in every game and playing in pretty much every situation. So, yeah, it's been huge for me. I think my confidence is, is still coming. I think uh, in the next couple games I should kind of be where I want to be, but uh, it's been nice to get my feet wet here and, you know, get a couple points on the board, but looking forward to, you know, improving every day still. Jack McClellan joining us on the Coors Light, Jared Scaldi Show. I'm Nick Brunker. Going back to yesterday, uh, the, the game against Toledo was a defensive battle from the very outset, and I think as we talked about in the pregame show even, it, it was what we expected it to be, a defensive battle. Uh, you know Toledo is going to be uh, out there trying to, to earn their points that they need to climb back, but at the same time, do what they always do, and that's that's hold teams to under three. You're doing the exact same thing out there. From a player perspective, what is it like being in a game like that where every moment, every shift is amplified because one mistake changes the entire game? Yeah, it was a really tight game, I thought, uh, from the start of the game. Uh, there wasn't a ton of chances, really. I thought that there was a ton of, like, block shots. I thought that we were good defensively, even when they had possession in our zone. I mean, we thought we played pretty well in front of Hauser, and when they did get chances, he was huge in net for us. But, yeah, it's always fun to play in games like that that mean a lot, the games where you want to get points and separate yourself from other teams in your division. So... As a centerman, the, the big key, as Jared talked about, is winning those face-offs, getting in very critical times an opportunity to, to win that puck back, seal the game off, take more time off the clock, whatever the scenario may be. As somebody who obviously has been working a long time at it, uh, growing up playing and then going to Brown, we'll talk about that in a minute, actually. Uh, that's an art form that takes a lot of work and a lot of persistence. Tell me how it, it has been for you maybe adjusting the way you do things over the course of your amateur career and now pro career to make sure you, you do what you need to do in the face-off circle, and that's when the puck. Yeah, face-offs are kind of a funny thing in hockey. I think that you can go through, uh, you can go through streaks where you're really hot, you can't lose a face-off, and then you go through times where, where it seems like you can't win one. And I think that I focused on face-offs kind of earlier in my career than a lot of guys did in juniors. I, I kind of really focused on them a lot because my coach kind of pounded into my head that mm -hmm. winning draws is something that 
can get you far in hockey. It's something that coaches look for. It's, it's an important part of the game that a lot of people overlook, especially when they're younger. And yeah. as you get older, guys make a career out of it. There's a guy like Paul Gostad in Nashville who makes three or four million dollars a year winning face-offs. I mean, it's an important part of the game to get the puck back. So I've always focused on it. Um, I think it just comes with practice. I mean, it's tough to be consistent. It's tough to have a percentage consistently above you know mid 50s and uh so it's just something you got to stick with and mentally you got to be tough because when you lose five or six in a row you got to be able to put that behind you get back in the circle and win that big draw when it counts because it doesn't matter what your percentage is going into the last face off of the game you got to be able to win that one as we talked about uh, i know i get this question a lot when, when you're setting up in the face off circle and a linesman stops you or maybe stops your opponent what does he say to both of you? Because I know he looks at both of you and says something. I know maybe his scenarios are different each time, but, but as a centerman who's been in a lot of draws, what, what does that conversation sound like? Uh, I mean, a big part of winning draws is cheating as much as you can. So <laughs> every player tries to do that. Your feet are supposed to be in a certain position. Your stick's supposed to go down at a certain time. The away team has to put their stick down first. And so that typically gives the home team an advantage. So basically anything you can do to cheat the system uh, is what guys try to do. So basically it's the ref trying to keep both players as honest as possible, and that's pretty much what that usually doesn't, is. It doesn't happen all the time, does it now? Yeah, no, not very often. <laughs> Take me back to your college career because, I mean, a lot of things can be discussed about your on-ice career, but also off. Uh, you went to Brown, an Ivy Leaguer, and I think just having that tag on your resume uh, is an accomplishment in and of itself. But uh, you talk about playing hockey at, at the highest level. You want to get there. You want to do it. But you also have to realize that at that stage of your, of your career, you also were trying to, to earn a very, very valuable degree what was that experience like? Uh, college was a great experience for me. I, I loved Brown and and uh, the Northeast, New England there. I loved it. My four years were probably the best years of my life uh, so far anyways. And, I mean, yeah, it was a ton of fun. I was lucky enough to have a great group of guys around me and a great coaching staff that I still keep in touch with that I really that I really respect and that did a lot for me as a player. So I was lucky enough to have a good career there on the ice and then, just just a blessing for me to be able to go to a school like that and uh, to be able to get a degree like that, even though I'm not sure what I would use it for yet, and I'm not planning on using it for a while. But <laughs> That's a good thing. Yeah, it's a, but yeah, I mean, it's a huge blessing, and I mean, I have my parents to thank for that, being able to send me to a school like that, so... Yeah, it was a great experience for me. You have an economics degree. I know we, we won't get into what you want to do because you just said you didn't have really an inkling of, of what that is. But at the end of your junior year, you had an opportunity to go pro, as many college athletes at, uh, at your caliber do, but you chose to stay. Was it as simple as, I want the degree from Brown, or was there more to it? Uh, there was there was a lot to it, kind of. I uh, had a really good junior year. I had a really good start and then kind of carried it all the way through the season. I was having a really good year individually and my team was doing well and then the start of February uh, I got cut with a skate cut through my skate and severed a tendon in my big toe and I had to get season ending surgery which was tough and uh, I'd been really hot that season and so at that point uh, I had been talking to my agent and stuff and just telling him when the season ends we'll cross that bridge because I was probably going to have a couple offers to leave early, and then I felt like I had unfinished business, not not only on the ice but off the ice. Mm-hmm. I felt like 
my parents sending me to Brown, giving me that opportunity to go there, something that they were really proud of. I didn't want to throw that away and not finish my degree. And I also felt like I kind of owed it to uh, to myself to see what I could do with my team because the first couple of years we weren't great and we were making a lot of strides. The coaches did so much for me there. So I really wanted to finish up my career there and see what I could do with the hockey program and also get my degree. And when you finished your senior year, you had a very, very exciting opportunity uh, to join the Nashville Predators. You didn't play in a game, but you just had a chance to be around the experience. And like you mentioned, guys like Paul Gostad and others that, that you're just able to, to maybe rub shoulders with, learn from, if, if nothing else but to absorb the experience. What was that like as a young man just starting things out, getting to go to the NHL? And, and witness basically what you want to achieve in, in the years to come. Yeah, that was, a, that was an amazing experience for me. Uh, I just tried to approach it, uh, tried to be a sponge and just learn as much as I could. It definitely, definitely opened my eyes to the way guys approach the game, the mm -hmm. way professionals really uh, take care of their business at the rink and then away from the rink. And I learned a ton. And so just tried to learn as much as I could while I was there. And it definitely made me hungry to get back there and I still hope to get back there someday. All right, a handful of quick hitters as be has become tradition for our our interview guests here. Uh quick ones and then we'll let you get out of here. Favorite food is uh I don't know that chicken was pretty good that I just ate. <laughs> good answer, good answer. Favorite musical group? Uh a band from back home, The Dudes. What kind of music do they play? Uh it's like rock. Okay. All right. Favorite player growing up? Uh growing up Joe Sackick and uh, probably Pavel Datsuk. Now, after you've been able to maybe rub some shoulders with the Nashville Predators, is there a player in the NHL now, whether it's a Predator or not, that is your favorite player now? Yeah, so Joe Sackick was growing up, but probably for the past, I mean, probably seven or eight years, it's been Pavel Datsuk. He's pretty fun not, to watch. Not a bad player. Not a bad player. Got some moves now. Kind of like you. Uh, which one of your teammates, since the Oscars was last night, of course, anybody watched the Oscars last night? I, I only caught the, the highlights, but is there one player on your team? Let, let me rephrase this. If there is one player on your team that would make a good actor in Hollywood, who would it be? Uh, uh, maybe, uh, maybe Roos. He'd have to probably clean up his accent a bit but he's a pretty funny guy <laughs> so you think he'd be in comedies he wouldn't be in the drama i can imagine him like in a law and order can you imagine chucky in in law and order no no well, that's not a, a movie but you know the same thing <laughs> give it up for jack mcclellan everybody thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us we'll come back with david nicoletti right after this on the cyclones radio network you're listening to the cyclones radio network this is the Cyclones Radio Network. We are back again for another segment here on the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. We'll bring up the head coach for another quick segment coming up. If you have any questions for our next guest or the coach when he comes back, feel free to grab the live mic and take that. Of course, tomorrow, Cyclones in action against Trenton. A Big Beer Tuesday, our final Big Beer Tuesday of the season, along with Country Night. We hope you join us 7.30, the start time. And if you can't be with us in person, catch it live on the Cyclones Radio Network at 7.15. My next guest has become a regular on the Cincinnati Blue Line and, of course, sacrificing the body every single game, every single shift. It seems he's getting in the passing lane or the, or the shooting lane as it was last night and of course is also racking up the assists very very rapidly please welcome number 19 david nicoletti welcome welcome thank you, thank you. thanks for being with us i, I guess uh the, the first thing is we'll talk about where you were earlier this season you played overseas in scotland you've also uh, seen some time in italy uh what was the experience for you playing overseas 
Um, it was fun. I was first started off in Italy and then I transferred over uh, during the lockout to the UK and I played in uh, Glasgow, Scotland and it was an interesting experience. A uh, little bit different hockey than over here but um, I enjoyed it. The people were very friendly and it was a good time. The style of play I imagine, we can get into more specifics in a bit, but is it is it that much of a, of a shift when you make that jump from, from over there to over here? It, it definitely is. Um, for one, just the size of the ice has a, has a big impact. You're playing on uh, some Olympic size surfaces and um, you just have a lot more time and um, time with with the puck uh, especially in your own end to make uh, plays or to skate up with it and it's more of a systematic game instead of uh, a, a hitting and physical game so it does take a little bit of adjustment to get used to one thing that that many fans may not know about you is that your career could have ended very prematurely tell us what happened yeah um Back when I was younger, um, just coming home from school, I, I was unfortunately uh, hit by a car and uh, broke both my legs um, and had to miss about two years of hockey due to that. Um, I was playing AAA hockey at the time and actually playing my level and the level above me. So it was uh, kind of a bad timing, but um, I, I recovered from it and it took a, a, lot, of, uh, a lot of surgery and a, and a lot of uh, perseverance. but. Uh, it kind of shaped me for who I am today. So. I was going to say perseverance and patience too. I mean, get yeah. just being being able to make those strides. Anytime you you're in a situation where you can't play, it's frustrating. But then just to realize that that you're lucky, perhaps to even be alive. That that's got a weigh on your mind as well. Is it was it a situation where you kind of just tried to every day make it a new day and count the, the blessings that you had? Well, I think the actually blessing about it was that I was young when it happened and you don't have all those thoughts of, a, of an adult in your mind. You're just thinking, how do I get back on the ice? How do I get with my friends? So they're at the rink, they're playing. My brothers were older, they're, they were playing a very good level of hockey and I just wanted to be there with them. So you did whatever you could to, to get back to uh, where you can enjoy that, that youth with your buddies. So I think that was... Uh, the one blessing of it that I was young enough to to not realize the the implications of it at the time. And you certainly went on. You played college hockey, and then obviously now pro. Uh, is there anything because of that injury and the surgeries, and obviously all the recovery that that makes things difficult now, even years after the fact? Um, no, I had a few hiccups uh, growing up and a little bit in college, but uh, now I've been very good, very healthy, and um, as, as you age, you, you learn how to maintain and you learn uh, different tricks of your body of how to uh, treat it and uh, get the proper treatment necessary, but uh, no, I've been great, I've been really healthy, and uh, the last three years I've been uh, playing injury-free, so it's, it's been nice. What's been your biggest, biggest shift? For, from your playing style or just the way that you go about your day-to-day -day business uh, from from going overseas and playing over there you know the gameplay as we just talked about a little bit different but but is there something that you're doing differently your biggest mental or physical shift now that you're over here again um, I'd say just over here there, there's a lot more responsibility for for your own end um, over there it's kind of more f uh, free-flowing and guys are just skating and, and, and flying all over the place here um, you have to be responsible and I, I actually like that because I, I think of myself more of a cerebral player in the right positions and, and trying to read the game and read in different situations so um, I think that's the big shift of playing over here is you have to be responsible everybody relies on each other on the ice and you have to be in the right position to support your teammates you got to have a, a pretty good set of eyes to see sometimes the goal through the screen or the, the chaos that sometimes ensues in front of the net you got a heavy shot back there you scored one very similar to to a lot of goals from that 
that blue line where you got guys in front looking for rebounds, but your goal actually went through everybody, including the goaltender. As somebody who obviously has honed their, your skills and, and tried to get better from that, that blue line area, getting those pucks to the net, is it difficult to to try and exactly place it knowing that okay I, I don't want to hit my guy but I also want to create some sort of rebound in front what's that mentality like when you step up to take a slap shot um, it, it varies from situation to situation but um, your first read is always just that initial guy coming out to you um, you have to get it by that first screen as a defenseman on the blue line there's nobody behind you you're the last man and your forwards and your teammates are expecting you to get that through. So your first look is always to get by that initial defender. And then after that, if you have enough time um, to either place it on one of your forward sticks for a tip or just get it on net and then hopefully there's some traffic in front. But uh, that first read, um, especially on this ice, is, uh, it's got to be a quick one. It's got to be accurate. Five quick hitters for our friend David Nicoletti, and then we will let you go right. and uh, get off the hot seat, so to speak. Your favorite food is? Favorite food? Uh, actually, <laughs> I don't know. Pasta, pasta, I guess. I'm not sure. I, I really don't know. Red sauce? Or do you like the Alfredo? No. Um, or is there a mix? Just a little bit of olive oil. Interesting. Yeah. I know that, that you're a guy who also likes to try and eat healthy, but this is a segue off of that, that question, a follow-up, if you will. Right. Uh, is it from somebody who is trying to, to get back to you know being a, an everyday guy in defense, make, make an impact, obviously score goals like you have been, nutrition? Tell me about what it's like being over there, overseas, and I know the food is perhaps a bit different, lifestyle is different, certainly customs and traditions are different. What was what was that like, trying to keep yourself healthy? Yeah, I was lucky my first two years in Italy because the food was extremely good. And it's, um, and it ain't bad over there in Yeah, Italy that's now. how I got uh, into the good pastas, but uh, in the UK it was uh, not so good, and I uh, paid for a lot of uh, extra luggage uh, <laughs> to bring some, some food over with me, all my dried food food and uh, so that that kind of helped a lot and then when my parents came over um, just after Christmas they brought some more food with me but uh, Perfect. it's nice to be back in North America with the <laughs> <laughs> all right favorite places you've ever traveled I guess you could narrow it down to one or two because you played all over the place or yeah. visited all over the place in, in your travels um, I love I, I really do like uh, London London England it's a, it's a beautiful spot and then there's a small country called Slovenia um, it was just north of me in Italy and uh, I went there and they have some really really nice uh, picturesque little, little areas there best player you played with or against um, that's a tough one but uh, most recently I'd have to say I just played with uh, Drew Miller of the Detroit Red Wings and that was a lot of fun he was my stallmate uh, for for about two months and He's doing well in the NHL, and last year I think he was a 30-point point scorer, so that was most recently, so I, I'd go with him. Your, yeah. your favorite musical group or artist is? Anything country. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. You got some fans about that one. Yeah, Eric Church, probably. That's a good one. He, he is really good. Really good live, too. Really good live. Three, three movies on a desert island. What would they be? Um, good, the bad, and the ugly, absolutely. Um, probably Shawshank Redemption, and then the third one... Go for comedy. Um, I, I don't know, Dumb and Dumber. Sure, classic. That's not, that's not the first time we've heard that. That's actually yeah. a very, very popular answer for yeah. the for those top three. Um, one more thing before we let you go. I know you are a tried-and-true Toronto Maple Leafs fan, yep. and they are in the thick of an Eastern Conference race that is wide open for the time being. I'll ask you now, as we are sitting, what is it, February 25th, is, is this the year that they make a run? 
Hey, if they make the playoffs, that's that's amazing. Um, I I hope they do. I mean, everybody in Toronto prays for it every year. Um, for them to make the playoffs, that's great. We'll start with that, and then uh, we'll Baby move steps. forward from there. Baby yeah, exactly. Steps. Give it up for David Nicoletti, everybody. Thank you so much for being with us. And Appreciate it. We'll bring up the head coach of the Cyclones again after this on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. Final segment on this Monday night. Back again next Monday, 7 until 8 p.m. We'll get your programming notes to look ahead to this final month of the regular season. Of course, tomorrow, Cincinnati on the ice against the Trenton Titans, a 7.30 face-off at U.S. Bank Arena, a Big Beer Tuesday, and, of course, Country Night, as you hear some Eric Church getting us back into the show. Final segment with the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi. Before we wrap things up, we'll take some more questions and then get your game plan for tomorrow night. Go ahead. I just want to make a comment, Jared. I wanted to congratulate you on behalf of all the fans here in Cincinnati. Congratulations on your 100th victory. Hey, Thank thanks you. a lot. I really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, big guy. That's awesome. Go UK. Big blue. Game tomorrow night. Smoothing that back up. Yes. <laughs> oh, how do you segue from that? Uh, Trenton is in town tomorrow. Uh, see a team that you played relatively recently. I mean, I, I imagine that regardless of the opponent, uh, the game plan for a team that's won eight of their last nine doesn't change a whole heck of a lot. No, I mean, uh, you know, there, there, there's, there's trapping games or stuff like that that, uh, you know, I felt – uh, you know, we've obviously won some games. I, I'm very confident in the lineup we have. We have a very talented lineup. We've got a very skilled lineup. We have a physical lineup. We've got goaltending, everything we need to win a hockey game. But at the end of the day, you still have to go out there and work. And, uh, you know, Trenton's had its struggles. Um, but at the end of the day, in, in any sport, and you still have to go out there and compete and you have to work. And, you know, that's the message tomorrow is that, uh, you know, this is a team, Trenton, that has struggled most of the season. They've, they found some success last weekend against Reading. But, you know, we have to go out there and compete and work. And, and we do have the guys that do that. Our, our talent does work. I mean, that's one thing that I'm really proud about our group is that, uh, you know, we have talented people, but our talent does work. And, um, you know, when your talent's working, you're going to win hockey games. We have time for one more question before we wrap things up first, on this Monday night. First one of the season. And she I is here and it. ready to roll. I'm, Go ahead. I'm nervous. Uh-oh. <laughs> No, I just wanted to know if there's any superstitions. It's more for the players because I know some people have superstitions, some don't. Just wondering. Yeah, um, I, all these guys have different stuff. Um, you, you do know, too, actually. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I was told a long time ago that superstitions were for uh, uh, insecure people. And um, I, I look at mine as um, routine, not superstition. Yes. So, well said, um, well said. You know, I all I don't uh, I do make thought to th certain things. If I wore a tie one game we lost, do I wear it the next time? Uh, probably not. But uh, I don't uh, wrap my head around too much of that. It's draining. It's absolutely draining day if you start trying to play into too many superstitions. I think uh, routine is important. I think uh, as players, not so much as coaches, because your day changes. As players, you have one thing to do every day when you wake up on a game day is, uh, you know, get up, have breakfast, come to the rink, take, pay attention to details, eat, nap, come to the game and play, and you take, uh, eliminate distractions. Unfortunately, as a coach, you have distractions on a game day. Um, you know, whether it's from different things and all that, you know, it's not about you. It's not about me on game day. It's about the players. So um, uh, my advice to any player 
would be don't get wrapped up in superstitions <laughs> too much. There's certain things that, that, that might work for you, run with it, but don't wrap yourself into it because it is absolutely draining if you get into too many superstitions. Before we wrap things up, uh, we want to uh, invite everybody to participate in our final piece of the show. Tomorrow is Mr. Jared Scaldi's birthday. Oh. Ah. So... Harry Carey style, I'm going to lead you guys in a <laughs> happy not. birthday You're to dead. Jared Scaldi. You're dead tomorrow. Oh, really? <laughs> and a one, and a two, and a three. Happy birthday oh. to you. Oh, you're dead, Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Sue. Come on, Sue. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, guys. Let's hope he gets a birthday present in the form of a win. Tomorrow night, 7.30, Trenton. Thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks so much, guys. Appreciate everybody showing up tonight. We'll see you Tom town tomorrow for head coach Jared Scaldi, David Nicoletti, and Jack McClellan. I'm Nick Brunker. Good night, everybody. Thanks.